As soon as God's the culprit, sure sign you're deceived. As soon as God's the one that you're looking at with the issue, sure sign you're deceived. Because he sent his son while you were lost. (laughs) He's a very good God. (laughs) And now that he saved you, he's not playing charades with your mind. He didn't come out like he is through Jesus, and now he's playing charades. Tempting you to sin. All the answers are here. We, we fight over this stuff because we, aren't, we don't honor his word. We honor our opinions. We value our opinions way, way more than the word of God in most cases. Simple things like the thorn in the flesh. We fight over it. My own Bible notes say... It is very important not to get dogmatic over this matter and debate over this matter because it's no way to be sure what the thorn actually was. And many say it's ophthalmalia and anidism. And many say this and that. But we should find a place of peace and agree to disagree. And I just couldn't disagree more. Because it's easy to answer Paul's thorn through the word of God. Because if Paul was sick... And promised healing. He couldn't say what he said to Paul. But if Paul was persecuted. And he promised persecution for living godly. Then Paul's asking God to remove something. That he already promised he'd go through. And that's how God could respond the way he did. How can God give you a promise in the Bible and say he's faithful to his word without turning or shifting of shadow? Then you hold him to his promise in relationship and love with a pure heart and sincerity. And God turn the table on you and tell you he sovereignly changed his mind and he's God and you're not. And his grace is enough. You need to just hang in there. If you taught your children that way, it would be a form of child abuse. You would teach them how to never honor your word. And the reason Satan loves when we bite the bait on this stuff is because it devalues the honor of the word. And now God really didn't mean what he said. Are you following me? You all are just staring at me like. Paul said, remove this thing, etc. If Paul was sick, are there promises for healing? Does he forgive all sin and heal all disease? Does he say, ask whatever you ask in my name, believing it shall be done? Does he say, unless, of course, I've sovereignly changed my mind at the time or see fit to do otherwise? We say that. That's not in your Bible. Did he show, did he say to Paul, I will show you the things you must suffer for my name's sake? Did Paul say after Acts 21, when he finally gets the point, and if you look chronologically, it's after all this stuff happened. Did Paul rise up and say, listen, all I know is this. Every city I go to, the Holy Spirit tells me there's chains imprisonment waiting me there. But none of these things move me anymore. None of these things move me because I don't count my own life dear so that I can fulfill the will of the one who called me. That's his triumphant statement towards the end of Acts. So what happened to Paul? He got the lesson. What's he saying all along the way? Man, I'm beat this, I'm beat this, I'm beat this, I'm, 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 I'm beat this. He's sharing all the ways he's persecuted. And then he says, right on the heels of that, 
that this thing's buffeting me, blows to the flesh, and I pleaded three times with God. What's he saying? God, could you just watch my back? I mean, look, I'm willing to go to all these cities, but every well, do I have to preach and get pummeled? Do I have to preach and get stoned? Do I have to preach and get whipped? Do I have to preach and get beat with rods? Every time I open my mouth and speak your name, a rock's hitting me in the head. Could you just lighten this thing up a little bit? Paul, I already told you the things you must suffer for my name's sake. Paul, I already said those who choose to live godly will suffer persecution. My grace will get you through. You keep preaching my word. You'll be all right. Just keep preaching. And now he's stoned and he gets right back up and goes what? Right back into the city. Come on. The word easily answers what he's talking about. The chapter before he makes the comment, which it's not a chapter, it's all one letter. That's where we make the big mistake. We broke it into chapters. Some, we had some bright idea to make it chapters. And it's one big letter. And that's hurt more people than you can imagine. Because we read them as separate chapters. It's one big letter. And he's setting this whole thing up with the previous 2 Corinthians 11. He's setting the whole thing up. Of all his perils, all his perils. Not one place is the word sickness used. Even when he uses the word infirmity, if you look it up, it's implying human weakness because he interchanges the two, infirmity and weakness, in the same sentence. Meaning human weakness. What's human weakness? I can't take these whips anymore. Come on, you're not just beat once, you're beat three times. Now five times you... After you're beat one time, you know what's coming. After you're beat twice, you really know what's coming. And now you know they're going to beat you the third time and your flesh is going, you've got to be kidding, not again. Oh! Get real with me. So they weren't throwing palm leaves and branches, worshiping Paul as he came into the city. They weren't making him the icon preacher of the nation. He wasn't the keynote speaker at all our great conferences. He said, I feel like the off-scouring and scum of the earth. I'm getting pummeled for what I believe. God, this isn't a proud place. It's keeping me pretty humble. Isn't that what it said? This thing's buffering him? It's least pride? At least to be the hot shot revelation preacher of the hour. Paul, I just can't believe your revelation. You're amazing. Ain't nobody like you. Well, it ain't my fault. Jesus told me himself. I'm just telling you what he said. Don't stroke me, stroke him. He's the Lord. There's no teacher but Christ. That's Paul. But you know what we do to stuff like that? So he's just getting persecuted and pummeled. And he's going, God, can you, can you? Lighten this thing up. No. It's all good. My grace is way greater than the weakness of your flesh. Keep being a man of God. And he stopped asking him. He must have received the grace. If you look at the rest of Paul's life, you can tell. He counts his own life not dear. So he can fulfill his will. And we're still fighting over what the thorn was when the word makes it clear. If God promised healing... 
Could Paul have possibly been sick? Okay. Who has, who has, Vicky, you have children. You have, you have one here. Okay. So if you raised this young lady up and you told her when she was a little girl, honey, it's just right to clean your room and there's certain things about your life that you need to stay disciplined in and just good home, homekeeping manners and you're teaching her the things that you go, and you got her. And, and, and honey, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You walk in this manner and you give her a little assignment as a young girl to just be disciplined, diligent, good regiment, good housekeeping in her bedroom, whatever. And mommy's going to bless you after about four months. I'm going to check this out on this. And, and as you're walking in this, and it's symbolic to our life of faith and walking out and fe- no fear. And, and, and all of a sudden, Vicky says, Shiloh, honey, you walk in this and you and I are going to go here. And it's like our favorite place. And she's like, really, mommy? Really? Absolutely, baby. You do that. And it's just you and me, girl. We are going to ride. You know what I mean? And Shiloh's just diligently. And she's just a little thing, right? So all of a sudden, the four months comes and mom is sovereign. In the house. Do you understand what that means? Mom's mom. She's just the child. So mom's the sovereign being in the house. She's the authority. She, the house is subject to her decisions in this thing. In other words, she carries the weight, right? So all of a sudden, Shiloh says, Mommy, you know, I, I did everything you said. And you're checking it out. And you say, yeah, you did. Okay, now we can go here. You said if I this, you'll this. Well, I know I did, sweetheart. And that was back four months ago. And it was right that you did all this and it was good. But you got to understand that, Mommy, right now I changed my mind. I don't think it's best we do that. What do you mean, Mommy? But you said. Well, I know what I said. But you have to understand, you're just a little girl. I'm Mommy. One day maybe you'll understand. But the truth is, I can't right now. I know what I said. But, Mommy, you said. No, no, honey. I, I understand I said. But it's still right for you to do all these things. And but but you have to understand that we're not going to go there. I just don't I don't want to take you right now. I'm not going to do it. And just know I love you, baby. Okay. Add that to another time or another time by age 10. What has she taught Shiloh to do? Never take mom at her word. And that is exactly what the devil has done to the gospel. If God has magnified his word above his name. And we're all crying out in Jesus name. But through the word fail to uphold the integrity and honesty of that name. Then we're just speaking religious jargon. And we've reduced his name to abracadabra. And we're hoping a rabbit pops out of the hat. You guys follow me? Do you think. The analogy I just shared is acceptable for her to parent that way. Then why do you think because God is sovereign, we should give him permission to change his mind concerning his word he gave us? Jesus was the word made flesh. You show me where Jesus sent mixed messages. Did he? So. If Jesus is the word made flesh and we know God through Jesus. And now we're trying to define God through these other ways. I wonder if we're trapped in the way that seems right to man and we're reversing back to human intellect and reasoning. And the life of Jesus is no longer our teacher. It's our lives.
now if somebody doesn't get healed, we protect ourselves by coming up with all these other reasons. And we come up with things that try to comfort our heart and make us feel better about what we're confused over and hurting over. Unfortunately, it's at the cost of truth, and truth is the only thing that makes us free. And if you can't find it in the life of Jesus, why is it in our vocabulary? If Jesus never said it, just say concerning healing. If Jesus never said, if it be your, if it be God's will, if Jesus never said it's not your time, if Jesus never said, well, look, I would, but I can't because God's building character in your life and he's ordained this to work things in you and mature you. If Jesus never said that to anyone that was sick, why do we say all those things all the time? If he's Lord and he said, follow me because they seem right to man. But if you can't find it in the mouth or the life of Jesus, why is it in our mouths when he's in us and we're in his image? Sounds like we value our opinion still way more than his word. Jesus is the ta-da of God. God came out like he is through a man. His word took on a body and lived life. That's literally what happened. <laughs> his word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. What's he full of? Grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me. He was before me. And of his fullness we all have received. Grace and more grace and grace on top of grace. And grace for grace. Amen. Oh, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Watch, there's a reason I'm reading all this. Well, let me say this again. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Look, no one. What's it say? No one. Come on, be humble with me. I'm making a real strong point here in the Holy Ghost. Who? No one. There's so many opinions tossed out there about God. We do it ourselves in the church all the time. No one has ever seen God at any time. The only begotten, the Son of God, the Word made flesh, who's in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him to us. So if what you say about God does not agree with the life Jesus lived and what he said by living that life, then what are we saying? Because no one has seen him unless you've seen the son. You define an Old Testament God, you're deceived. Because the Old Testament was pointing to what was to come. Everything is pointing to Christ. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. It's a type and shadow. It's allegories. It's pointing to what was to come, the new and living way. If you go back and define God in the Old Testament and try to bring it into the new and don't interpret it through Christ and through grace and truth, 
you have a misunderstanding of who the Father is. Come on, be humble with me. Verse 18, who? No one. Come on, this is narrowing things down. No one has seen God at any time until you've looked to Jesus. And once you look at Jesus, you've finally seen the Father. If your definition of God does not line up to the life Jesus lived and the expression of God through Jesus' life, then why are we saying it? Why are we preaching it? Why are we thinking it? Why are we believing it? If we say stuff like, well, yeah, but sometimes, brother, God just chooses to this and God chooses that. That's the same voice Eve heard in the garden and she was sure deceived. Where do you get that? Well, God sometimes, yeah, but brother, you got to understand God sometimes just, where do you get that? You get that through life, not through the sun. You show me through the sun where God says that and does that. You get that through life. Well, yeah, but God doesn't always heal, brother. Show me that through the sun. I need somebody to show me that through the sun. Because no one at any time has ever seen God, but the sun has declared him. You show me that through the sun that he doesn't heal all the time. Somebody has to show me that through the sun. Nobody can. Then why are we saying otherwise? Same voice that Eve heard. And it's deception. And we're biting the bait and eating the fruit and taking the fall again and again and again and again. God said, lay your hands on the sick and they recover. We say, but not everyone. God said, don't eat the tree. It's the day you surely die. The voice says, oh, you're not going to die. God just knows. And the day you eat the tree, you'll be. So go ahead. It's okay. God didn't mean what he said. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Philip. 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 Oh, Philip, you're awesome. I love you, Philip. Ah. Right? Can you imagine Jesus? Philip. Can I have fun with you? Philip. Oh, you little knucklehead. Philip. Philip. Philip, buddy, have I been you with you all this time? And yet you say, show us the Father? Ah, oh, Philip. Don't you know that when you see me, you've already seen the Father? Hello? Colossians 1.15. He's the visible image of the invisible God. But it's amazing how we have thousands of churches, denominations, camps, streams. Because we can't agree on one thing. Jesus is the will of God revealed. We've let life define the will of God instead of Jesus' life. And we've left our opinions and our experiences. Some of us are protecting them. So we'll build a doctrine to protect our experience and start another river that God never dug the bed for. Do you honestly think that all these denominations on the earth are the will of God. No. No, There's not one person that could possibly think that and be sincere. It's because we've gotten our eyes off the sun. 
And honestly, the word says no one has ever seen God until they've seen the Son. But once you've seen the Son, now you know the Father. Hebrews 1 says in the former days he spoke to the fathers through the prophets. He's talking about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, in the former days. But in these last days, he has spoken. He has spoken through his son. And he is the expressed image of who he is. And the outring of his brightness. You cannot know God nor his will unless you humble yourself through the son. And when you see Jesus... You know the Father. And if you can't find your doctrine in Jesus' life, then why is it in your belief system? If he is the will of God revealed. He's on a mount of transfiguration. Moses pops up. Elijah pops up. And there is Jesus. Peter wants to build a tabernacle for all three. And God says, Moses and Elisha disappear, by the way. Are they important? Of course they're important. They both pointed to the sun. But now the sun's here. They both disappear. And God says, God says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. In these last days, he has spoken. That means if you're not defining God through Jesus, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. How's that for humble? But see, pride doesn't like that. Pride hates being called pride. And pride is surely the fall of man. The need to be right. Don't ever... Don't ever, 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 especially with knowledge, let life around you dictate who you are. You are who he is inside of you. Yield to that truth. Let Jesus speak of the Father to you. And if your attitudes and your opinions and your mind and your emotions aren't agreeing with love and who Jesus is and the message he sent, then find yourself in that secret place, putting off and putting on, and let grace form you, okay? Because we have legacy to write, guys. Or else we're just spending time. We have legacy to write. Your today in Christ will speak forever. Glory to his name. (laughs) Every time you love unconditionally. Every time you show mercy. Every time you cover wrongs with right. You leave a legacy. And you reveal your father. And you reveal that you're a son and daughter. It's a sign and a wonder to the world. And it's the wisdom of God revealed. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Paul said, I preach him tirelessly. That grace empowers me. Until we come to that completed place of Christ in us. The hope of God's manifestation.